Welcome back to the Better Results Podcast, where we share expert insight and advice to help business owners achieve better results. My name is Aaron Pfeiffer, business engineer at Obsidian Solutions. If you're looking to grow your company strategically while reducing its operational costs, stay tuned in and check out our show notes for more information on this episode. Looking for more great content? Check us out at the Better Results blog, join our newsletter, or start a conversation with us on social media. Now, let's jump in to today's episode. Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in again for another episode of the Better Results Podcast. Today we're going to talk about 12 of the strategic meetings that you should be doing for your business as we kick off 2019. One of the challenges that most small businesses and most businesses in general face is not taking the time to get the strategic planning done on a regular reoccurring basis. As we all know, we get caught up in those day-to-day fires that just have to be taken care of and eventually we lose sight of where we're actually navigating our businesses. Without that insight of where we're going with the business, that's where problems will start to come out in the long term. If you don't know where you're going, then your competition's gonna beat you there, unfortunately, and innovate over you. So the goal of today's conversation is just to go over some of the strategic meetings you should be having with your team at least on a monthly basis. This will keep you sharp, this will keep you forward-looking, and you gotta treat this like a nice big timeout. So keep in mind, your your ground rules on these conversations are first and foremost, get your other trusted leaders or key employees involved in these conversations. Might be beneficial to have a third party there as well. You just want to get some people that can give you some valuable insight and tell you the status of your business from a different perspective. The multiple perspectives is what's really key in some of these strategic meetings. What you're seeing isn't necessarily what someone else is going to see. And if you're not having an open conversation about all these opportunities, you're, you're going to miss things. They're going to fall through the, cl- through the cracks. So uh, keep in mind, this is high level. This is you're, you're not going to go into great detail necessarily unless you're going to make it a half day, full day, three day type of meeting. And again, keep these meetings, they've got to be open and honest. You need to be able to have a frank conversation with somebody and tell them, quite frankly, you disagree with their idea. As a manager, I always used to tell my employees in these type of meetings, I would say, I don't care if you like that person or not. I don't care if you like their idea or not, but you're damn well going to respect it. And and yes, I always throw that little uh, expletive in there too, because you want to catch people's attention. You need to make sure that they are truly invested in improving your processes, improving your business, not going after each other and sniping each other. So with that, we're going to jump into our first topic, which is competitive analysis. All right, so we're going to kick off with competitive analysis. And keep in mind, the order of all of these other strategic meetings isn't really particularly important. So use them as, as necessary where you think is necessary. So competitive analysis. This is taking time to look at your competition in particular, as well as yourself. You need to know where are you the best? Where are you the most focused? And where can you provide the best value to your uh, clients or customers, whatever terminology you're using? Where do you stand out? Where can you always win against the competition? Because that's where you need to be playing. Alternatively, you need to understand what are the differentiators your competitors have? Are they able to give the best price or the highest value? Are they the fastest? Are they the slowest? By knowing where you stack up compared to everyone else, you can really narrow in on your niche and on your target target demographic. 
what innovations are, are you trying to do? Are you wanting to be the fastest? Then maybe you need to have a new mobile app to complement the fact that you're the fastest in your space. Is fast the best or is quality the best? Why are you the highest price in the, in the space? Or are you? This seems really silly and intuitive maybe, but the problem is, is that after you've been in your business for three, four, five years, you may start to lose track of really following your competitors. When you first kicked off your business, you most likely had to do some research to understand who else was in the space. But have you taken the time to redo a marketing analysis, a competitive analysis, and see what players are in the game right now? You need to be able to see where they're innovating as well. Are they going to be coming out with new products? Is it a product that you should be coming out with a competitive answer for? Look at, look at uh, Apple and Google and the HomePod and Alexa and all of that. You've got these massive companies that are all competing over these products because they see in the long term where that's going to be critical for their business. If Amazon saw Google and, and uh, the Apple, iMac, all of that going that direction with voice activation and smart intelligence, but they didn't, they'd be missing a huge market and they'd be falling behind. Instead, they're pushing the envelope with Alexa, their voice assistant, and that's what's going to separate their business from everyone else. So take the time with your team and your key leaders to really observe where are you the best, what products, what services, what differentiators, and also map out your competitors so that you know, do you want to go head-to-head with them in a space? Or do you want to go around them and find your own target market and not compete with them head to head? Knowing if you're taking on David or if you're taking on Goliath is going to have a huge impact on where you focus your team and your people. One thing with the competitive analysis is is recognizing where your opponents, your competition are better than you, not only in their products, but potentially on their pricing. And that's why the next meeting we're going to talk about is cost analysis. When times are good, which they have been for many years in most industries, it's hard to imagine that your business isn't going to continue to grow. It's hard to imagine that you need to be uh, tightening your belt when everyone else is spending like crazy. But as we're seeing right now, the starts of potentially the next recession in, in our cyclical nature of our economy here in 2019, we might be seeing a pullback in the entire economy. So now is a perfect time to really sit down and look at your cost analysis. Don't be spending frivolously, right? But how do you determine that? You should be sitting down with your CFO or financial advisor, or if you're a smaller business, your accountant, whether they're in-house or outsourced. Sit down and take a look at your profit and loss by month. See where you're spending abnormally and, and take that component to see what reoccurring bills you can close out. What bills are coming in that you're not expecting? Is shipping really high in certain months or, or just across the board? Can you take some of those higher numbers and go renegotiate contracts with your vendors or your shippers, uh, with other individuals and get a better interest rate if you're lending from the bank or something along those lines. Keep in mind too, now's a great time to be looking at just your overhead costs in general. Do you need to be moving into a, a new lease or can you sublease out what you currently have and downsize the space that you're using? I sat down with a client recently. They have an entire showroom that is just open for display, and yet less than 10% of all their sales come from the showroom. 
So there's an immediate conversation to be had there about why do we even have the showroom? Let's consolidate all of your employees and start expanding on the fact that you do online and phone-based sales for the most part and recoup some of your storage space. Cut that lease down. Here's the real important part here. When you're reevaluating your costs, you're really trying to build out your your safety net. You want to have at least six months cash flow safety net in your business at all times so that you can endure if the worst happens, if a recession hits, if a competitor moves in next door. Do you have enough cash reserves to keep your entire staff on board and working so that you can rebound and ride out the storm? Because if you do, you're going to outdo every other small business competitor around you and maybe even the big guys who are just burning through cash. Keep your expenses low and do that by going through and doing this cost analysis with your financial team. Here's another great part about this. If your competitors aren't saving and if, if you have a larger nest egg than they do, you can continue to market in those downturns. You can continue to hire. You can continue to take their best employees who are going to leave or be laid off and bring them into your organization. The best time to make a huge splash and to take over the competition is in an industry downturn, whether that's the entire economy or just your industry. But the only way you can maximize on that opportunity is by evaluating your costs and keeping a nice, healthy safety net. Keep in mind as well where you think your competitors are spending. Are they spending more of their money in marketing or in research and development? That can be a good KPI, a key performance indicator for you to keep in mind and see where they're spending money and where you should be spending money. Do you want to be heavy in R&D so that you have the long term or do you need to be heavier in marketing to compete with their marketing? You want to know where they're spending money so you can spend yours in the best place possible. So after you've talked about cost, another great topic is innovation days. And I love innovation days. You'll hear them by some different terms, FedEx days or anything else along those lines. But here's, here's where you're going with an innovation day. You want to get together your, your leaders and all of your different business units and, and start the mandate. But if nothing else, you also want to try to get some of the, your key employees involved in this conversation as well not only the most senior and experienced individuals that know the industry and know it very well, but also some of the youngest, more technological, more cultural savvy in, uh, individuals within your organization to expose new trends. Where is the industry going? Where is society in general and culture going? And how can you bridge those gaps? Your real key in an innovation day is staying ahead of the competition. By doing that, you want to ask questions about what new products and services you can be offering, either standalone within your company, or maybe they complement your existing offerings. For example, maybe you sell control systems, or we used to sell control systems, and so we brought in control panel electrical box fabrication as well as a complement to protect our primary product to make sure it was installed correctly and therefore working the best in the way it was intended for our clients. So what, what new offerings can you offer to complement your current offerings to your clients and give them the best value? How can you promote customer interaction and loyalty? Can you do a loyalty program with your clients? Can you open up a reoccurring conversation or start a newsletter? The more you're in front of your clients, the more likely they are to return. 
it, you know, we I just went through a, a great book we'll talk about at another time, but that's talking about the psychology of purchases and, and interactions and influence. And the more we see things, the more we tend to like it. Whether we recognize that we're seeing it 12 times or it's completely subliminal, you are more likely to want to make that purchase. So what innovative ways can you get your product or your brand in front of your clients and improve that interaction with them? What new marketing campaigns can you experiment with? Especially with your younger generation, toss them out there into the social media realm. Is there an Alexa skill that you could be coming up with so that somebody can say, hey Alexa, what's the weather? And and you, for whatever reason, become the top result that comes up. Is there virtual reality something that you could be doing? What social websites are just coming out? Alignable is a pretty new one right now. Do you want to invest time and effort into that new platform and become the premier person on that platform? Or do you just need to be keeping up with the Joneses and it's finally time to make sure you're putting in some effort on your Facebook or your LinkedIn pages? Consider some other media like uh, uh, mailers, direct mail mailers are really popular right now or they're seeing a resurgence because if nothing else, people are getting the three seconds of logo recognition before that mailer is going into the garbage. Um, SEO, intelligent sourcing, are you going out and actively with your business development trying to find the right resources, the right clients and customers and getting in front of them and on a reoccurring basis talking to them? What other industries could you be working with? Yeah, you've always sold to pharmaceuticals or you've always sold to private owners of, of households, but what other markets could you be pursuing that would be higher margin, less work? or more complimentary, complimentary. When you can expand and innovate on who you're focusing your client base on, if you can deliver the same great results, you might be able to double your market base and therefore boost your revenues while still doing the same work you've always done, which means you'll keep your profitability high. So don't just discuss these things, but make sure that you're really shining a light on the best ideas. Get everybody to participate. Maybe this is just the high level meeting with your staff your key leaders, and you're going to put this mission out to the rest of your employees as well, and then distill that information back and revisit all of it. Always put the ideas out there, even if it sounds stupid, just for that creative juice to continue to help uh, other people connect the dots and come up with new ideas. This is as much a brainstorming as it is a truly analytical meeting to see what would it take to implement these new innovations. Next up, we're going to talk about your mission and vision reevaluation. This is something you need to be doing at least on an annual basis because your mission, your vision, it's all directed towards where is your business going to be in the next year, five years, or 10 years? What is the purpose of what you're doing? Yeah, maybe you're trying to make some money, but why are you trying to make money as an electrician or as a home marketer of some sort? What really drives you? How are you going to compare all of your decisions to understand this is why we're doing what we're doing? It's in line with us going public. It's in line with you as the business owner wanting to retire in the next five years. If you have a good understanding of your vision, your mission, and your core values, you're going to have the glue that keeps your entire organization working together. These ideas are what's going to drive your entire big picture. Blockbuster was in the videotape business, not in the entertainment on demand business. Because they didn't have that recognition, they got eaten up. And now I think the last Blockbuster has officially closed. Netflix took over because they're in the entertainment business. They started with DVDs and mail and they've since pivoted 
to stay true to that entertainment on demand business and now they do direct streaming. Now they also have their own uh, entertainment studio putting on their own productions and that's true to their mission that they continually evaluate and, and look into to stay relevant and to stay innovative. Keep in mind too, when you're as the, the top tier business owner, what is your true mission? As you're trying to sell the business and get it positioned for, for acquisition or for IPO, or are you trying to hand it off to one of your children? When you have an idea of where the business is really going and you take the time out to really analyze that, it's gonna help you make all the other decisions that you need for your business to be successful. What assets should we be buying? How should we be filing our taxes in such an advantaged way as to achieve your mission and your goals? Take this time out, bring in your key leaders, and especially when evaluating your mission and vision, it's always great to have a third party come in. Maybe it's a, comp a competitor that you're friendly with, or maybe it's somebody in a different vertical, or just a mentor. But those third parties, they can shoot holes in your ideas and your concepts and make you challenge your own belief about where you're going and where you're taking your business. So whether your business is small, say two employees or 200 employees, it's very important to make sure that you're doing company-wide employee evaluations. This is important because what you're doing is you're bringing together your other key leaders of different business units or your other advisors that you really trust and you're getting their feedback on the employees that you're managing and vice versa. You want to make sure that the way you see your employee is the same way everyone else is seeing them, that they're not being two-faced or backhanded, that they're not slacking on the job when nobody's looking except for your CFO. That's how you're gonna make sure you have the right people in the right positions on board with your company. Additionally, you might find out that somebody else had a great conversation with an employee and that their true motivations with their career are something completely different than what you expected. Getting these other data points from third parties within your organization is going to be critical for keeping those people in the right spots, keeping them interested, and reducing turnover. People don't really count on how bad turnover is for their business. Not only are you potentially hiring a recruiter, but just the onboarding time to train and educate and get somebody to where they're really effective in their job for most companies takes at least six months. Now, six months for an onboard employee just to get them efficient is one thing but then keep in mind the lost time from your other employees that have to do the training and so they're not as productive as possible this is why culture and employee evaluations are so big in your business and bringing in your other leaders to give you that secondary input that third-party feedback will make sure that you've got the right people now additionally you also want to be talking about who's going to be looking to leave the organization in the next six months, 12 months, two years. When you know who's probably not truly invested, that's going to help you reinvest in the right employees or to put people in the right positions and then also create your succession plans. If you know that a business unit leader is going to be retiring in the next two to three years, that's great news. You can now start to groom their replacement and groom them internally within the organization. And if there is nobody within the organization that can take up those shoes, then go out and start hiring today for who can and take the time, the two years, whatever it might be, to groom them to truly understand the business and have the capabilities to continue to propel your organization. And not always will you have a two-year gap that you know in advance somebody's leaving. You need to be talking about what happens if the proverbial bus hits somebody tomorrow. 
what is the succession plan? From, from your frontline employees, that's your cashier, how do you manage that in a day if they don't show up? What if your manager doesn't show up one day and doesn't get the schedule out there? Does anyone else know how to do that type of work? Employee evaluations are critical for your business. Again, you want to grow it, you want to minimize your costs, and you also want to make sure that everybody is in alignment and understands that that is the right person in the right position. Our next topic is always one that I chuckle a little bit when I talk to a client about. It's how is money made? Now, that seems really silly. I get that. But how is money really made in your business? And this is really important because what we're talking about is profitability by product line. Okay, let's talk about a a car dealership. Most times, they don't actually make a lot of money off of the sold car. They make more money off of the services, which is why you see the dealerships always pushing their service plans. They want you coming back in there for that high margin oil change that they're going to charge you $75 for when really it costs them half or less of that. Where is money made is going to help you elaborate on where you should be marketing. What product line should you be investing more in and what product line should you be maybe looking to kill off? Now, you might kill off a product line because it's not making great profits. But again, just like the service complement, selling cars is a complement to the services work. So what products can you be positioning to get more high profitability work? Back in, in my engineering days, we actually would fabricate the control panels because that was high margin work and we might be taking a huge discount on actually selling the proprietary control equipment. Most people didn't realize that, but that's where most of our money was actually made, was by throwing an extra $1,000 on top of an electrical panel uh, fabrication because we had to take off $2,000 on the actual product sale itself. Recognizing where you're making money is also going to tell you where you want to be investing your time. Would you rather be selling 100 products that make $5 or 10 products that make $50? Now, the net neutral there is, is you know, $500, and this is just an example, but would I rather spend a lot of time selling 100 products or less time selling 10 products? Or vice versa, Maybe I'm selling one product for $500 versus 100 products at $5. Where do you want to invest your time so that you can make the most money while still freeing up your operational utility? The last piece too with how money is made is are you doing it on a one-time product sale or could you be switching over to a subscription model? When Microsoft went to reevaluate Microsoft Office and all of those, they're now on the Microsoft 365 pricing platform. And why would they do that? Well, if I sell you Microsoft 2010, then you could keep that forever. And I sold you one thing, and I have no idea when I'm going to make more money. Instead, by moving to the monthly subscription basis, they're now evening out their cash flow models because they know on a more reliable reoccurring revenue basis that they are making $5 per head on every client as opposed to selling $100 of software maybe every third year. That's going to flatten out your your predictability so that you know when revenues are coming in and it makes it easier to manage your business. Further, it's going to tell you how your money is being made and where you should be reinvesting your business. Another great meeting that you should be having with your team that most companies don't even think about is appreciation. And appreciation is actually a pretty diverse topic because We're not just talking about your employees, we're not just talking about your clients, but we're also talking about your community by large. 
When you recognize that you have an outstanding organization, you need to be taking time to show that appreciation to your employees. How can you be showing them greater appreciation? Is it a bonus? Is it a award recognition program? Can you just get up in the, the monthly company meeting and do a shout out or put some recognition into a newsletter? People love to be appreciated in general and by taking extra time to do that, you're gonna have a higher uh, productive employee base because now they know that what they're actually doing is being seen and appreciated by the company. Especially with your younger generations, your millennials, your generation Z, they want to be appreciated more than they care about the money, which is kind of an interesting conversation and one for another day, but appreciation is key. Now, let's also extend that not only to your employees, but let's talk about your clients. When's the last time you said thank you for being my customer or for being my client? When's the last time you sent an unsolicited uh, Christmas card as a thank you or a reminder for their birthday? This is why you see a lot of restaurants. Everybody does a free something for a birthday now. They're showing appreciation to their clients by giving something back. They found a reliable excuse to at least on an annual basis give something back to their client. But what else could you be doing in your particular industry? If you're in manufacturing, maybe you can do a, a price discount on such a large order. Or at the end of the day, if you're there spending $100,000 with you, it's probably not out of line to say, send them a $500 gift card or a fruit basket or something every now and again, just to let them know that you appreciate doing business with them. Last and not least, your community in large. What programs could you be doing to give back to the community where your business is actually housed? Could you be doing some volunteer work? Could you be doing an open house? What can you do to give back to the community around you? Build that really good, strong, appreciative atmosphere and let your community know that you appreciate being where you are and make them appreciate the fact that you're there. Down the road, you may run into some rough times and wouldn't it be great if the community around you stood up behind you and sponsored you and sponsored your, your charitable givings. Build that good karma and don't forget how important it is to just appreciate your employees, your clients, as well as the community. As a bonus, I'll also throw in, don't forget your vendors. That may seem kind of silly too, but I can't tell you how many times I got into a bind where we didn't order the right materials and now we're behind on schedule and I have to have that last item they have in stock tomorrow. And making my vendors jump through outrageous hoops was a lot easier when I knew I had some good faith in my piggy bank that I could pull on. When I let them be late on this thing or that thing or we were very fair on pricing, it was much easier down the road for them to want to help me out of my bind and not just because they wanted to make the sale but because they genuinely appreciated our interaction and our professional relationship. Anytime you can build up that good karma, that piggy bank with anyone you can, do because you never know when you're gonna to have to be making a withdrawal from that account. Now we're getting toward the end here. I'm actually gonna cheat a little bit because for the next four meetings, it's actually on the same one topic and that's your quarterly state of the business. These quarterly meetings are critical. This is how you're gonna make sure that you're on track. Are you hitting your goals? Are you gonna to need to pivot? Did the economy suddenly have an upset that you need to be addressing? Are you seeing a change in customer trends that you can nip in the butt this month as opposed to just letting it happen and having an awful year? Ask the hard questions in these quarterly meetings. What if business drops 30% next quarter? How are you gonna manage that? Can you tighten your belt? Can you bring in different headcount? Can you bring in different product lines? 
What about the corollary to that? What if your business explodes 30% in the next quarter? Can you actually deliver the same high quality product? Because too much business can be just as bad as not enough if you start to, to lapse on your quality and lose that appreciation your customers have for the product that you deliver. You need to open up the floor to your entire team and find out what heartburn are they feeling in the business because they may not just come out and tell you or they may not think of it until they hear somebody else mention something similar. That'll spark additional conversation and additional debate. These quarterly meetings are a great time to go over all the other meetings we've talked about as well too. Get a pulse check. Make sure that the, the mission is still online. Make sure that your cost is in line. These quarterly meetings also open up an opportunity to maybe talk to your CFO if you don't on a regular basis. Make sure that your budgets are done correctly, projects are on track, that there's no issues with delivery or margin. Getting in and getting into the details and the weeds at this high level on a regular basis is what keeps your business successful and growing strategically. So with that, I will leave you with those 12 meetings that you should be having throughout 2019 and in general. But you know, worst case, you just need to be meeting with your leadership team on a regular basis or your trusted advisors or your mentors. The fact is, is we get so caught into the day-to-day -day minutiae that we start chasing the mice instead of hunting the antelope. And when you don't have a direction and when your team isn't communicating on a regular basis, you're prone to have additional mistakes. These meetings need to be a total timeout. You need to step away from the day-to-day. I really recommend closing off the conference room or even doing a, a retreat somewhere else, meet at a restaurant or a hotel conference room or something along those lines. Maybe even go over to the CEO's house and, and just have it in the living room if that's the best you can do as a small business. Take time to look forward in your business because when you look forward in your business, that's where you can achieve better results. So with that, Thank you guys for tuning in for this edition, a solo edition of the Better Results Podcast. This content, again, was, was covered in our blog post, 12 Strategic Meetings for Businesses. If you are a more literate person, you can go check that out. It is on Medium. It's on LinkedIn. It's on our personal blog, the Better Results blog as well. And feel free to share this with your friends. If you have any questions about these topics, please, please, please reach out and let's start off a conversation. You've been listening to the Better Results Podcast with your host, Aaron Pfeiffer, and sponsored by Obsidian Solutions. If your business is looking to optimize its operations while boosting profitability, check us out at obsidiansolutionsllc.com. Comments on the show or interested to be a guest, contact us at the Better Results Podcast at obsidiansolutionsllc.com. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Cheers to achieving your better results. Thank you.